Hello, everybody. I am Ken Wagner. I, this is the Digital Strategy Panel. Welcome. I'm going to start with introductions, working from my left to my right with Ethan. I'm Ethan Kaplan. I was, uh, for a long while, the head of technology for Warner Brothers Records and Warner Music Group. I'm now the head of product at Live Nation Labs, which is like an internal thing at Live Nation that we're doing. Hi, I'm Rachel Masters, and I'm the co-founder and partner at Red Magnet Media, which is a boutique agency which helps artists and consumer lifestyle brands with their digital strategy and community management. And I'm Glenn Miller from CAA. I oversee our digital strategy for our talent, so music, comedy, sports, acting, all those fun guys. My name is Jay Sider. I'm the CEO and founder of Root Music. We make Bandpage. It's the largest music app on Facebook with over a quarter million bands using it, so if you're banned and want to put your presence up on Facebook, let us know. Or go to bandpage.com. The previous commercial was brought to you by. <laughs> Hi. Uh, I'm Ted Cohen. I run a, I'm the managing partner of Tag Strategic. We're a digital entertainment strategy firm and uh, a regular attendee of this event. Uh, I'm Ken Wagner, and I didn't go left or right. I jumped in the middle. But uh, I own a company called Smartly Done based out of Chicago. And uh, work with a bunch of different clients, musicians, restaurants, chefs, all kinds of stuff, uh, doing online strategy, application development, web development, a bunch of different things. Um, so what we really want to uh, talk about is digital strategy and where uh, we feel that it's uh, going in regards to um, the, the marketplace, uh, the technology, and artists uh, and our clients' needs. Uh, so I really wanted to just kind of open the floor to the panel that's here uh, to talk about that um, and really talk about where uh, we all fit within that. Uh, and we'll start with Glenn here on the left. <laughs> you're, the lucky, you're the lucky guy to take the heat off of me. Um, so uh, Glenn, if you could talk about a little bit about where you sit where you fit at CAA and how you interact with the clients on behalf of a booking agency. Sure. And what I what I'd like to do is just kind of walk down each of the, each person on the panel and just kind of talk about within their role of what they do, how they interact between their client uh, their clients and their te and technology really. So. Sure. So um, so at CAA it's a little bit of the opposite of what you would think of a traditional talent agency doing where you think they're booking shows getting talent into movies, doing those type of deals. Um, but what we saw was an opportunity to come in and be able to align with our clients and be able to help them roll out their digital strategy. So for us, this is everything from building their official properties, doing tech investments, uh, doing the digital ad plans around tours, albums, fragrance launches, whatever it might be, to keeping them relevant every day of the year. since. As we were talking before we got in here, we feel like one of the big problems is, as you sit there and say, an agency, you automatically think, okay, they only work on a tour. Or you think record label, they only work on an album. But the biggest picture that we all need to focus on is that our clients are 24-7, 365. And when you're dealing with digital, we all need to be able to come together and be able to create the centralized source for our clients and our talent. And I think that's what we've been trying to figure out is how do we do that? How do we create a neutral space for our talent that they know they can come to and speak to us and have not only the knowledge that we have, but also know that it's not being done because there's an agreement already in place. So you have to put your music video out somewhere or you have to sell your ticket here, but doing something that's really going to bolster their brand. Um, so that's kind of that's where we sit. 
Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Ethan? Yeah. You can talk about from the promoter's perspective, Glenn having, working from the agency perspective, and Ethan working from the agency perspective, but you can talk about some of what Live Nation is doing specifically, especially in the kind of like, you know, broad reaching application of technology for, for events and stuff that you're doing. Well, I can speak about two two things, because I'm, I'm not very far out from a major label infrastructure either. So at Live Nation, the focus, because of the, the nature of the department we created, we're really focused on building products and actually building them, not necessarily partnering. So our digital strategy methods is a little bit more oriented around filling gaps in expertise rather than finding uh, marketing partners because Live Nation Labs is a product division, not a marketing or promotion division. Uh, when I was at a label, of course, a, a, a big driver of our digital strategy over the label was being first. Um, so as the technology, the resident technologist at, at Warner, uh, my job was a lot about discovery of new tech that would help us, you know, further the marketing angles of the artists, uh, due diligence, and then, of course, the, the dreaded implementation and then eventual de-implementation of different partnerships and strategies that we were doing going forward. Uh, and I was there from 2005 to last year, so we saw a lot of technologies come and go in that amount of time. Could you... A, a little bit. So basically, what you guys are doing more is is internal app, uh, applications and stuff for your venues, for the entity itself, or do you do stuff like specifically targeted towards events? Do you well, right now, our biggest product push is over mobile and, and web. Mm -hmm. um, so doing a web application, which is ultimately Live Nation, and the mobile application for it. Okay. Um, further down the roadmap, after we kind of get out the gate, is is looking at the, the in the venues. Uh, all the promoted tours as well as ticketing and, and other ways of enhancing the live entertainment experience. Okay. Um, but we're very much focused on a different approach than I had at the label by necessity of building products um, and implementing strategies around those products that are, are, are beneficial to the products we're trying to build rather than the, the first mentality that, that typically drives a marketing implementation. Got it. Okay. Jay? Sure, and, and maybe we'll say too, there's a whole lot of knowledge in this room and we're, we're talking about digital strategy, so if it's okay with everybody up here, if, every, if anybody has questions or wants to chime in or, or combat what we have to say, one you know, back. bring it up and we can talk about it. Is that okay with there's everybody? in the back already. All right, and... and <laughs> product is a euphemism for... Product is a euphemism for products. I mean, I don't... <laughs> Website, experience. website, holistic application of technology to make consumer experiences. And I think, in general, you know, we're here talking about digital strategy, and so like, you know, uh, Glenn and uh, Rachel, we were talking uh, in the green room just about, you know, digital strategy, what that is, and and what people kind of conceive. You know, a lot of times, people will come to to us and talk about, hey, we want to do this digital strategy, and without really knowing what that means. So let's define that a little bit. Yeah. That it's not necessarily Absolutely. just kind of one you know there's one way to do it or you're only doing it for a launch of an album or a tour yeah, but I it's mean, a it's a, a lifestyle it's a it's a career now that's being built so let's dive into that well digital strategy is like where we love to start with our clients so you know you're a band or you're a consumer lifestyle brand or you are a tech product and you have this 
incredible social web out there today. It's incredibly confusing and the best practices change every single day. So it's your roadmap for what makes sense to make the most impact to court your hardcore fans or users um, and how to grow your audience, taking advantage of Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Foursquare, and everything else on the, on the web. And so it's step A, step B, step C and setting goals for yourself so that you know how to you know how to measure what's working and what's not working and it's we talk about digital strategy it's like it's that like it's this big amorphous thing it isn't it's what is the product strategy what is the rollout strategy what's the distribution partner strategy what is the what's the value i mean the biggest thing that we get into with clients and there's a couple of them in the room they'll tell you we don't give good meeting uh clients will sit down and say um you know, uh, tell me, uh, pretend I'm still at EMI. I used to do digital at EMI. And said, pretend I'm still there, pitch me. And they go, well, we bring a lot of value to what you do. Yeah, like what? And they go, what do you mean by that? Well, you just said you bring a lot of value. What value do you bring? Are you going to increase our revenue? Are you going to increase uptake? Are you going to increase retention? What are you doing? And they go, well, that's harsh. Well, no, because those are the questions that are going to come up. <laughs> you know, it's like... You know, it's like there was a thing years ago, to really do this quickly, but there used to be a slogan, if anyone in the room remembers, Wonder Bread builds strong bodies 12 ways. And one day the government said, name the 12 ways. <laughs> and they went, uh, well, there's calcium, and there's iron, and there's calcium, and, and it's good for you. And now it's just Wonder Bread builds strong bodies. So when, when you go in for a meeting with a potential partner, whether it's a label or it's uh, Google or whoever it happens to be, What's your strategy? Why are you in that room? What do they? What do they? What are they going to get out of this? You know, you want that deal with Google. Why do they want that deal with you? What are you bringing to the table? And who's your competition? I mean, and part of the strategy is knowing who you're competing with. And we always argue that you always. When some, anyone asks about your competition, whether you know it's Jay's. Who's your competition, Jay? Name one. Um, who do you? Reverb Nation has a. Reverb Nation. How are they? Are they any good? You know, they're <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are they are they good? Yeah, they're, they're good, they're but you're better. Yeah, you're better. They don't right. suck, right? No. Okay. You're oh, there's my <laughs> Oh, just popping in. <laughs> He's popping. We this wasn't planned. That was good. <laughs> no, I mean no, we, we, love, we love Mike. Every, everybody that in was here. Good. No, and I'll say no because uh, I had a meeting at lunch with some folks. Everybody in here is working on making this industry better, and so it's you know yes, some of us are overlapping a little bit, but we really appreciate. You know the different things people are doing. That's it. So we There's will sit down with somebody and say, "So who's your competition?" They go, "So and so," but they suck. No, they don't suck. They're they're yeah. good. You're they better. Provide, or here's what you values. do differently. So when we work on strategy, it's, you know, how do you compete with, uh, you know, there are probably ten companies here that are doing things in the social band space, and you know, there's Song Kick, there's Bands in Town, there's Thrill Call, there's Root Sonic Music, Living. there's uh, there's Reverb Nation. How do you differentiate yourself? So that's strategy. So it's not when we talk about this amorphous digital strategy, you got to break it down into the pieces and attack each one. And the most important thing that we always talk about is who is your competition, know your competition, and know why you're better. Yeah. I think for or no. different. Now, maybe not better, yeah. but different. And the different value that you bring. That's right. What, that's what you asked for at the very beginning. And, you know, and so everybody's doing these things. And, and I just mean, to George, define, are we assholes? No, these guys are great. Okay, never mind. So from the band standpoint, I mean, when, when a band came in and, and when we were at labels and doing, you know, what, what is our digital strategy? The biggest thing that we would always try to, to message and it became more prevalent as we uh, went on, don't try to be first and don't say yes to everything. 
we often had bands that were like, oh, well, Pinterest is the new big thing, so we got to be on Pinterest, and we got to be on Twitter, and we got to be on Foursquare and Facebook and MySpace and this and this and this. And ultimately, the the desire to connect through so many different ways diluted the experience to such an extent because they weren't treating their digital marketing and strategy as a holistic entity. It was being treated as these these runways to audience rather than creating a narrative around what the overall strategy should be. Uh, a band or a brand should often say no to most things that are put in front of them um, unless it fits in a holistic picture of, of what what they're actually trying to do, what narrative they're trying to tell with the strategy that they're doing. I actually disagree with that. I've had a lot of <laughs> luck with being first. Respectfully well, no, disagree. I, you could have a lot of luck with being first, but the, 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 the competition to always be first uh, has led to a lot of rabbit holes that are hard to get yourself out of again. That's true. Yeah, and the Sometimes worst, you the wor get burnt yes, getting being first. I mean, with yep. Duran Duran, we had a lot of luck being first being the first band to have a flipboard channel i mean it got us a ton of press um that was outside of you know all the value that we created by working with flipboard and creating a channel um i've also gotten burnt by working with some smaller companies um where such as trying being first they'll go <laughs> nameless um that are not here today or probably have dissolved at this point um and where we put a lot of heart and soul into being first and creating something with a lot of bang and because of the tech just sucking it didn't work at all so you gotta like you know know that it, this is a risk and you gotta have a plan b in case you know it doesn't work out you gotta be able to quickly jump to something else to make a bang and not ever expect that this is going to work and then my whole digital strategy is gonna make a ton of movement it, you're lucky if it works. And just to define the different point of views, Ted's over here, you know, working with companies and advising them on digital strategy. These folks uh, are, are working with uh, the artists and, and building their careers. And Ethan's Ethan and um, my man Ken. Ken, thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I just met. I just met. I just met. I just met Ken today. Our follow me on Facebook, dude. Yes, there we go. <laughs> are uh, you know working with uh, setting up artists and, and building out uh, websites and things themselves just to give a little bit of clarity I think that might be helpful. so I, th I, I think something in regards to uh, you know adapting technology in line in a digital strategy depends on on where you sit and who you work for right so in regards to how willing you are to adapt uh, uh, early uh, strategy or technology early is how willing you and your client are willing to fail um, and well, kind of take that risk of you know having things not go great. Right, uh, you have to you have to plan for the inevitability um, of failure. Is mm -hmm. how I, I always thought of it. That if I was going to do a deal with a company because they provided X service, I had to plan for the cost of implementation, the run rate cost, and the de-implementation cost. Not just because you That's know true. a business development team at a, at a label or another company they operate press release to press release without thinking necessarily of the full run rate. And as a technical guy, I would be the one stuck on taking down I like players from a website the right. day before Thanksgiving. Yeah. And so of so integration and unwinding unwinding costs were substantially more than was ever made in the process of a deal. Right. Yeah. The worst thing that we always say when companies say, again we're doing the the moot court pitching is like so tell me why should we work with you? Oh, we're a really cool technology. No, I don't want a really cool technology. Again, what do you bring to the table? And the beginning of my career was artist development uh 
I always joke I stayed in this hotel in 1978 with the Sex Pistols when it was called the Miyaka. Uh, so uh, most of the companies that we look at are companies that will help artists in some way that will either bring them attention, sell tickets, do something for them. You gotta really think about what you're doing for the person across the table from you and that's the biggest failure that I see is companies come in and they know every reason why you should work with, why they wanna work with you but not why the other side wants to work with you. I, I think definitely um, the the shift is that you know you have to show people a win-win, you know, and it, it that the traditional music business for the longest time was who could screw who first, and and I think that that's been the thing having been in the business for thirty years that the change has been really that people understand that it's got to be a mutually beneficial thing in order for it to really make sense. It be that an and it's really about competition. You know, I mean, a lot of the strategy stuff that we talk about now is how can we partner with other people that might, you might look at at first blush as being a competitor, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. where are areas that you you complement each other and maybe you can do some things together. I mean, you work with a lot of different companies yeah. that that plug into what you do. Yeah. I mean, the whole idea of open APIs and everything is something that would not would not be considered. Uh, with all respect to Mr. Azoff, I don't know if he's into open APIs. Um, I would doubt it. I would <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Hey, it's okay. I mean, we're in open APIs, but I mean, APIs, to, I, I've, I've been quoted saying this, I think, in four different panels at San Francisco Music Tech, that APIs, API keys are the easiest and best method of business development known to man, mm -hmm. and that every, you know, no matter how little your digital strategy depends on integrating other companies, everybody that runs a digital strategy integrates with other companies because of it. And and the the companies you don't suspect are involved in the music business always are the Amazon EC2 and Rackspace et cetera et cetera, and that's because th that business development relationship is easy to wind, easy to unwind, and has a low run rate. My hero, you know, my metric on if a deal is going to be good is if I can do a white label deal where I pay a consistent monthly fee, um, with with no contract. That's the best business development deal I could ever do. Just to get a quick show of hands, can we see how many people work with tech companies here? in the room, and then how about artists? Okay, so pretty even split, a little bit more on tech. Why don't, what, what can we give these guys to take away with, you know, when they're, we talked a little bit in the green room, uh, stuff that they can write down and try when they go home. So for the tech companies, you, you've said, you know, understand, under, under, under promise and over deliver, make sure that your product works as good as your PowerPoint. I mean, that seems to be the big disconnect is it worked so well as a presentation, but it really doesn't work well as an application. So don't say it's good. Really be honest on what your product development cycle is or what the feature set is and when other features are going to integrate so that you've, you haven't sold something that's going to land fully berthed, mm -hmm. that it basically has to mature. And that's, you know, a lot of times we have companies saying, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. And I say, but it doesn't do it. Yeah, but we can. Yeah, but you haven't. And they go, well, we will in the future. So you got to really be very transparent about, you know, what, what the capabilities are of what you're bringing to the table. And for, for us, you know, for companies that are um, out there and starting to build their, their digital strategy as a company, you know, you're, you're creating who you are to the people. Um, you're giving, you're sending a message. And so, you know, for us, we, we are very, um, you know, up to date on, on Facebook and Twitter and um, a number of other places. But you know, not just sending updates when we have, we don't just use those platforms to just send updates about, you know, what we're doing, but if, if something's not working, if there's a bug in the system, then we'll be very present on Twitter, interacting with folks there, and we've, we've got this, um, 
this band page sessions that we do now where artists come in and play. We had Jack Conti, who's in the group Pomplamus, do it, and Tyler Bryant, um, where they're recording in the studio. And so you give a certain flavor, and I think that's really where you can get your voice out there, not just through the, the news email blast that you do, but that's really where you can communicate and build a brand and a personality behind your, behind your company. And I would say for me, uh, everything doesn't work for everyone. I think everyone's that's used good. to or wants to hear that there's a turnkey solution that you know you go in there and voila you have millions of likes on facebook or millions of followers or millions of views on youtube um but no one wa really wants to sit there nowadays and say let's get down to the nitty-gritty and figure out that custom plan for you and i think it's that custom plan that will really make the difference on the artist side or the talent side because you know just putting a vivo uh sorry a video up just because that's where you have to put the video doesn't really make a difference or you know in our case for one instance when we did the Katy Perry tour issuing a press release and going on the CBS morning news wasn't going to make a difference. Taking her to Facebook with Mark Zuckerberg made the difference. It's about doing what's going to be right for that talent, for that client. Why did that make a difference? The Katy one? Taking her to Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook, why did that make a difference? Uh, there, there are two things. One, you had the celebrity factor of both of them. So we knew that going up there, taking that one picture on her cell phone and tweeting it out was going to be quote-unquote news that we were going to hear everywhere it was going to transcend all media so you know we knew we got twitter covered we knew we had facebook covered um we knew youtube was going to be mad at us because we didn't take them there um but then we also knew that that photo could be printed which it got printed in you know publications newspapers it was on you know the guardian in the uk whatever it was on tv it ended up being a story in itself. And so now the next question is, is that everyone who looks at that and says, okay, here's my strategy now. I'm going to go get a picture yeah. taken with Mark Zuckerberg. So, so they all so saw that. And we, I was like, him. we get that all the time. Is they're like, I want to do the same exact thing. And we're like, no. No. Like, it doesn't so work. how do you deal with yeah. the, 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 the initial work. thing is, okay, that was great. So yeah. can I do that too? Yeah. And that goes back to the being the first mm -hmm. is once you do the first one, everybody wants to do the same exact thing, but that same thing doesn't work for everyone. Right. And in most instances, that first is never going to be replicated again. And right. it's just going back to be like, we pride ourselves on being transparent and we'll sit there and tell them this is not a, this isn't right. And B, it probably just will never happen again. So you have to be upfront with everyone. Right. To be great, you got to take those risks. You know, it's just like, it, it, it's it's yes, you might you might fall flat on your face, but if you hit, then you hit big. You know, and and that's the stuff that really takes off. But I think it also speaks to an important component of your digital strategy, which is that we're all very digital, but you need to think about how what you do online affects your traditional media offline. And the bang from the buck that you get from being in magazines and on television and the like, that stuff still counts. And so the two really need to be in harmony together. Yeah, you get a huge one when you connect digital with the real world. Exactly. <laughs> and I guess coming from the the... <laughs> product standpoint and having been at a label and now at a uh, live entertainment company don't don't get trapped looking for the solution to your problems in other companies because um, you're not going to find it and that was part of I think what happened with Warner and try to prevent now is uh, it's it's too easy to look at every new entrepreneur coming to the door with a great PowerPoint deck or thinking you're finding the new Mark Zuckerberg to see they're going to solve the problem now. Now they're going to solve the problem now. They're going to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. But I saw more companies uh, come and go with the solving of the problem, um, where in reality, you know, the, the contingency plan on our end was we knew they weren't going to solve it. So the unwinding of the deal because of the breakage was going to be more beneficial than the deal itself. Um, so 
on the on the label or the agency side, no one company with the next Mark Zuckerberg is going to solve the problem that is fundamental to either your business or your company or your your method of doing things. You're better off finding a good product person and getting a bunch of engineers and making something. Uh, and on the and on the uh, the tech company side, coming in the door with a great PowerPoint deck, thinking you're the next Mark Zuckerberg, isn't going to necessarily convince anybody across the table that you're going to solve the world's problems either. Uh, and don't get trapped in the uh, the allure of expensive dinners uh, and a short-term deal and thinking that it's going to be transformative. I like those dinners. But the dinners were good. The dinners, yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, in, you the do, same, in the, the same dinners line. were very good. It's and we had very good I'm dinners sorry. together at Warner. So... Yeah. No, as Jay said, there's a lot of really smart people on this table, and I would love to hear from them. I mean, what are you seeing um, sell tickets and records? Because how are you translating all of those likes to business? So we just did this integration with uh, Sonic Living and, and now Bands in Town. Um, it's universal RSVP. Um, so when anybody comes to a band page um, they, and they look at the shows that are, that are listed on the musician's band page, they can see who of their friends are also going to that. And that's a, that's a really powerful um, way to, to get the message out there, make that, that specific uh, experience personal to them. Um, and then on the band page, there's an opportunity to share basically everything uh, within the band page. So uh, you can share that show out to your wall. And um, we're seeing a pretty good uptick when, when folks use that. One thing on the touring front, which to us would sound like 101, but is something that a lot of people still don't do, is just the whole uh, retargeting and remarketing. Mm -hmm. um, that moves a ton of tickets, a ton of albums. Um, just putting the tracking code, you can get it for free on Google. Um, add it on your site and just start cooking people. I mean, you'll depending on the traffic of your site, you can end up in a couple months with a few million people that you can now target for your tickets or your album and it's really inexpensive but that still seems foreign to a lot of people <laughs> define cookie for those that don't know in the room <laughs> basically it tracks you so this cookie will be downloaded onto your computer and when you go around the web all your information's there it's a, the whole thing that everybody talks about privacy which most of us think <laughs> at least i'll say it that i think none of us really actually think about privacy <laughs> in that way yeah. Um, when you sneeze, you hear a quiet voice go, bless you. Yes. Right? Yes. Wherever you are. <laughs> Wherever you are. A couple of things we're working on. Uh, there's a company out of San Francisco in Switzerland called WebDoc that's doing mm -hmm. some really great work that uh, we're getting integrated into with a lot of companies we're working with, and Bands in Town also is going really well. I mean, they seem to be valuable tools. And the thing is, really don't try and go too wide. See where the good fits are. I mean, the worst meetings are when someone insists on meeting with somebody. It's a really bad strategy to meet with somebody where it's an awkward fit. And you're trying to find that one little strain of connection. Focus where there really is a good holistic fit and build on that. And then you can go wider. But it's like, how many different people can we meet with? No, it's not. It may be great. And again, great lunches and great dinners. But uh, it ends up Time being a lot wasted. of wheel spinning. <laughs> And when? time wasted. And time wasted. And then when you call up, I mean, for us, we have a, I'm going to say, we have a very good tr uh, track record of most people don't call us after a meeting saying, why did you bring those guys in here? Because we're really, we, we pretty much argue with the client, we're not taking you there, you're not ready. It's like we treat our artists like they're bands. And when they want to showcase, sometimes they're not ready to showcase. You may want to just show somebody a little demo. A lot of times our COO, Jeff Amen, when he, when he came in and, and started helping us think about 
um, how you work with other companies and when you present, actually build the business plan for them. Don't go in and say, here's how, you know, here's, here's what we want and, and, and here's what we're thinking. Actually understand, make sure that you understand their business when you're going into that meeting and actually um, understand what they're going for, what their goals are. And then you, you basically pitch that value to them instead of always like trying to make them come up ways that they can work with you. How does a, an artist go about uh, obtaining a digital strategy? How do they know when they need one? And how do they go about like beginning that process? You're good I for that. I think you sure. always need you, one, though. You always yeah. need yeah. one. <laughs> it's a given, but... It's what you start with today. You know, that's that's when you when you get your music uh, together. You get online. You put your music up there. Uh, there are many different ways to to get it out there, put it up for sale, and then you start optimizing. I think that's where a lot of these folks on the panel are giving ideas of of how you do that. Um, but I think yeah, it, it's just it's the first step of of distribution. You know, that, that was really difficult uh, 15 years ago to get your music out to people, but now. There, there are these sites that we've been talking about that you can put your music up there, you can start selling it, you can start marketing it, you can start driving sales funnels and um, using these different platforms to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's really basic. Sorry. I mean, we moved from 10 years ago a distribution economy to an attention economy. It. And it's just, yeah. how do I get your attention now? It's not about getting the end cap at uh, Tower oh, Records right. anymore. There's no Tower Records to get the end cap at. It's how do I get your attention mm -hmm. being one of... 10,000 releases this yeah. month. Yeah, absolutely. You had a question? No, how the question was, uh, how much of the strategy... Here, wait, he's got a... Why don't you state the question? The question again is, in formulation of strategy, how much are you defining that strategy based upon your competitors, and how much are you basing it upon uh, your customers and the different segments within your customer bases? Well, the first thing we do is make sure that you're not saying, yeah, we can do that. There's a tendency by... Sometimes we work with clients and they'll go, well, yeah, we could do that. And again, but can you do it or could you do it? There's a big difference in can and could and time of implementation. So trying not to be everything to everybody, focusing on what are core differentiators that are going to make you interesting to Ethan in his new role if we're going to bring somebody in. Right. What is So he doesn't say, well, you're the fourth company this week I've seen doing exactly the same thing and maybe you might do it a little bit better, but I know these guys and I'm comfortable with them. So. What, do you, what can you do different? How can you move the needle for them? And what are, what are the, I mean, I hate to use the term KPIs, but what are the things that, that will really make you, you know, a, a valuable tool as opposed to, again, just another cool technology? So we really work on, you know, in the strategy of the product development is, you know, why are you different? Why are you better? What value do you bring to the table? And then who are the people you want to partner with to maximize those, that value and those differences? Right. I mean, it also depends for me on what stage it is I'm building a product. When I, if I've built a product, we've launched it, then I am going to be seeking partners that are doing more on the social side or more on the, the exposure side. At the stage we're at right now, we're at Live Nation, we're, we're, my business digital strategy is looking at Hacker News and 500 Startups and Y Combinator and Music Hack Days and everything to really figure out, one, get recruit good people, and two, fill gaps in my infrastructure that need filling. Not necessarily looking at the latest and greatest 360-degree uh, concert video thing or new live music stuff and stuff like that. So it, uh, it might look as if people should approach me with live music stuff, or like just as it looked like they should approach me with artist, you know, artist relations and fan stuff at the label. But oftentimes, depending on the stage people are at in building 
kind of the comprehensive strategy for themselves, the, the holes we need to fill are going to be vastly different at every given stage. So right now, looking at analytics tools might not seem exactly what we should be doing, but it is what we're doing right now. At the end of the day, it's about your users. You know, you asked kind of, it, are you building a product for, um, for the users or are you looking at the competition and deciding which way to go? At? If you've got a, a great idea, and yes, there are other people doing out, doing out there, but you're gonna do it way fucking better than them, and you know it and you've, you've got this drive and you understand the industry, you can do that. You can take over a market and at the end of the day, focusing on the users will do that. Yes, there's gonna be a competition, but there's always competition whenever you break in to anywhere. So I would, yes, like analyze the market and see what's out there and, and, and understand it to your best of ability, but if you execute on a great product that does wonders for users, they'll go crazy for it and, and you win. And I think ultimately, it's, it's, you have to do your, your digital strategy as a process of addition rather than negation. Uh, and not so imagine a, a completely blank table and everything that gets put on it which needs to be a part of your strategy needs to really validate itself in terms of metrics in terms of user experience in terms of the experience for your clients in terms of how it benefits your overall comprehensive and holistic rollout uh, too often you see people throw everything on the table then peel off the stuff that doesn't work which is exactly the wrong strategy to take and Ethan brings up a really great point, which is getting down to the core basics of understanding what your customers' needs are. Like really understanding Ethan's business at Live Nation and what they're looking to do. So that when you come and bring your PowerPoint, it's not the same one that you're gonna show to me to get Lincoln Park or the estate of Michael Jackson to use it. So, you know, understanding that you have certain infrastructure needs is one thing, but then I need to move tickets and Glenn needs to move tickets. So. But that, that brings up a good point is also not only knowing what your customer's needs are, but knowing actually who your customer is. Because one of the problems of the music industry inherently was they always believed that their customer was Tower Records, mm -hmm. not the consumer that was buying the music. And so it was focused on how do I get product loaded in the store as opposed to how do I excite the, the music fan. The other thing is we run into a lot of times as you're developing a product, really don't develop a product that's a solution searching for a problem. There's a lot of people that come in with, with stuff where they go, well, you could do this, and you, but why would anybody want to do that? Yeah, but it'd be really cool. You can go here and then point at a QR code, and it'll bounce off the moon, and it'll come back. And No, I just want the information. So sometimes, don't again, don't. we're all seduced by technology. I mean, I'm, toys are my life, but the, what's the simplest path to get people excited about the music that they love? That's our, that's our goal at, at Bandpages. To, for anybody that works there, when they tell their friend about something that we're, we're building or working on, they're like, oh, that's awesome. I wish I could use that. Well, great, it's coming out in two months, you know. But, but that's the focus that, that you should have. It's definitely there. Should we take questions? Sure. Yeah, let's, let's get some good juicy questions, please. <laughs> Over there. Jack Conti, in the house. This is actually someone that we can all learn some digital strategy from. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there, there are so many free options available to um, artists and business people when it comes to promoting a product. There are also uh, marketing strategies, paid advertisements. Where's the balance there? How, as, as an artist and, and as, a, as someone with a, with a new product, how much do you pay to get the word out? And how much do you just let the product um, speak for itself and, and use... Uh, free PR and Twitter and Facebook and all the other free platforms. Rachel? How much money and time do you have? I mean, that's really what it is. I mean, your budget is your budget, right? So 
if you've got budget, I would go and spend it on some on on advertising and Facebook ads and you know promoted Twitter tweets and hashtags. I mean that stuff all really works, and you can see what your ROI is. But if you don't got money, hopefully you got time <laughs> and, and talent, and, talent right. and you're going to be willing to use that time to use all the amazing free tools that are out there and show your fans a lot of love and you know get your word out there on all the different platforms that we now have. So it's really, I think that's the the tension. And I, what I think is unfortunately a um, a big issue is that a lot of folks just get so overwhelmed and don't know what to do and don't do their homework, don't read Mashable every single day and TechCrunch every day, unlike you, and and figure it all out and really map out their digital strategy and then don't get frustrated and don't put the time in. Or they look at only one aspect of it, I think, which is an yeah. issue. It's like, you know, there's the, the, the famous pirate metrics for startups presentation from, from Dave McClure which is, you know, where you, you judge the success of your acquisition by how much revenue and there's a pathway to getting there and it's not just shoving stuff out there and hoping you get stuff back, but you actually have to have a, a, a loop in place to understand what your what the lifetime value of a, of a fan is, what what the cost of acquiring that fan is. If you're gonna start spending money to to get qualified leads and buy buy attention, even if you're spending it through time rather than actual cash, you still have to understand exactly how much that's costing you in the end game. I actually think that that's a really valuable resource that we all have here is that we all have a relationship with each other and call each other up and say what's working. Like, yeah, Facebook ads and buying them through CitizenNet is actually freaking working. I got like a great like ROI on it. And so like working with your colleagues and doubling down on what's working. I would say that's mm-hmm. almost the second half of all digital strategy is what are you doing personally? Who do you know? How are you networking and how are you relying on your friends or inner circle to be able to help you create a better digital strategy because no one person can know everything and i think there's too many yeah. people who say they know all things digital but we all know that's not true yeah and it's changing every single moment like you know facebook changes their news feed um and page rank and how it all works and like holy smokes like putting posting a single photograph on facebook is what gets the most amount of engagement so and then everybody starts posting one single photo and then facebook you know, tweaks um, the page rank again and and edge rank again, and then you know videos all of a sudden are performing really well. So you got to you know keep up with it. Yep. We've got a blog where we right, where Chris? we do that, so you can check that out if if you want to stay up <laughs> on uh, on what the trends are happening on Facebook. We try to help educate the folks. WordPress.rootmusic.com. And and I think just to go to your question again, I think it's it's there's two different parts to it, right? One is uh, when you're just starting out, like you don't have any cash, and and you want to see kind of what takes off, and if if people are responding to it, and then that's when you look at money, you know, and, and putting ads and different types of support behind it, but create that great product that people are responding to first. And Jack, if you don't know Jack, he's an incredible musician that's well known on Facebook and excuse me, sorry, YouTube. Um, and, and they're doing an amazing thing. And, um, you know, just starting to get to that point, how, how do we take this strategy to the next step? And I think that's really where you start to spend some dollars, some marketing dollars to get, again, your brand and your awareness out there the same way that a company would. You look at it, I think at that point, like a like a business, you, and you run it uh, very clearly as to, okay, we're putting these ads out here, what's the return that we're getting? How many, if we put this type of ad or this message out there, how many more impressions are we getting on our videos or plays, or how many more people are coming to our shows? And you know, at that point, you're gonna need some help, you're gonna need s- somebody that understands business um, 
to, to do that. So start with start with your friends that you know this is a business associate at, at uh, some company and ask them for some advice. And then as you have some money to be able to pay people, bring them on. I think something that's been uh, a clear trend for the last year, year and a half, is that bands are bringing people on full time as their digital consultant, um, where that where that wasn't the case before. It was like okay, yeah, we'll keep these presents on Facebook, but now it's a, and, and Twitter and YouTube and um, but now it's a, a really important thing um, to focus on. I think it's really it's a good thing for the indie music world that you're not under the same pressure that you are at a major label in terms of when when Ethan was at Warner and Rachel was at Warner the quarterly pressure or even mm -hmm. the how did the how did the record do the first week how did it do the second week how it started before first week of the what show. it started before first week before you know. first week yeah. so if you're an independent artist or on, on a smaller label, the time pressure to experiment and see what you can do, you're not you're not under the microscope the same way. So I think it's actually a better situation. Does that answer your question? Okay, cool. <laughs> Who are you and what do you do? <laughs> I know what he does. What do you do? Oh, oh, hey, hey, let's just do it. Let's I like you better. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay, I've got five o'clock open. Who it's wants to The uh, I work with Ticketfly. So the uh, the question is, um, partnering with the next and the new, checking TechCrunch every day, looking for that sort of fresh new thing to try out. Um, when do you make the decision to move on? Like when do you when do you sort of cut it off? Like how long do you feed the idea? I mean, it's what sort of. I know it's a bit of a nebulous timeline, but if you have any personal experiences from that, I'd be interested to know. Yeah, I mean, we would. It, it depended. I think that you know, it's, uh, I could qualify it with that. Sometimes we would do small scale tests of one artist with one new company. Um, rarely, unless it was being driven by the corporate parent, would we drive headfirst into a new company unless it was an overall biz dev deal. We did a lot of small scale tests with 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 new companies. We did GarageBand with Madonna. You know, and that was the only one we did because GarageBand ceased to exist after it. But we did I Like, and we did all of these with like different artists to, to kind of get in there. I much prefer doing one artist with one company because um, it isolated the, the use case for me to actually see the validity of the technology or the platform. Um, when it came to infrastructure companies, I did a lot of behind the scenes biz dev on that kind of side. We often, it was everybody all encompassing because you have an, you had a scale issue, and that's where it worked the best. Um, so I think you know for the marketing side it was usually trying to do one to one until it really worked well and then we would scale it out and out and out. How do you define what works well? Uh, if it hit KPIs that we defined for ourselves, if it increased retention, if it increased time on site, if it increased uh, the average amount of times they came back during the week, um, a lot of it was KPIs that were on the relationship. If the relationship was mutually beneficial, if they were keeping pace on the tech side with us keeping pace, if if it looked like it was a a good partnership going forward and we had a lot that were amazing partnerships going forward uh, and a lot that weren't and it just depended if you know part of the issue if you're a big company doing a, a deal or doing a relationship with a smaller company is you're subject to their their worst and usually that's their VCs so you're always subject to their board and the whims of their board and you have no control over that really um, because ultimately you're a, a name on a slide deck that's given in their quarterly board presentation and so we would often see these deals kind of unwind, not because of the CEO or the founders of the startup, but because, you know, our name started getting bumped down in font size as others came up above it uh, on that quarterly board deck. Or they took another round of funding and they had to pivot because of that and stuff like that. So, you know, there was always these, you know, asterisks and asterisks after every little thing we did. Um, and 
you kind of know in your gut when to walk away. The, the sad part about the record industry is usually that was at the end of a record cycle um, because it's the logical point of conclusion with anything, including the relationship with an artist. But, uh, you know, that's, that's basically it. And I would say if you're a tech company trying to work with somebody like Ethan or a major artist or a label, um, they're, they're going to do what he says where they're going to try you out uh, with one artist to see how it goes, to see if the technology worked, if they liked it. And I'll tell you what, patience is the best business that I've learned. Um, don't keep, you know, keep hounding them and hounding them and hounding them, being like, you know, keep, keep using this, please, please. You know, you've got to understand your value that Ted was talking about and, and put out a product that works that, that they respond to. So, you know, obviously keep in touch with them and, and check back, but don't keep hounding them. And it's something that we've learned. You know, we work with all, all the record labels and managers and, and everybody here on the panel. I want to respectfully important. disagree with you completely. Okay. Only well, because, well, well, let's, only let's have because a sometimes you feel you've got the best thing and you've put it out there and you say, okay, we've got it and we'll get back to you. And two weeks later, you call them back and they go, you know, last week somebody popped in and they really wanted us mm -hmm. to try this right. So you shouldn't hound them. Right. But there's a balance between laying back going, yeah, well, we got the goods. Yeah. Well, you got to find that. There's a difference between sales and a relationship. Thank you. Right. right. Yeah. And, right. I, and, right. It's, and that, that's the problem that we often hear from folks is, you know, Ethan and everybody else and, and Glenn get hit up all, the, all day long, you know, by all these new ideas that are coming through. And so you need to be the relationship that sticks, right. that sticks out, you know, that, that you're building and your product needs to actually work. So when they're going down their list of font sizes that are getting smaller and smaller, that you stay at the top and you stay fresh. And so I'm not saying Absolutely. two weeks, but, you know, just, just keep that good relationship going. Other question? Jay, you just mentioned that people are now, artists are now more likely to hire digital strategy people full-time. Who do you guys hire? Do you talk to, do you hire firms? Do you hire individuals? Is there anyone specific that you can recommend? Um, I think, yeah, there, there are different firms, but I bet there aren't many musicians that can afford them. Usually they're to, they go to companies. Okay, so in, uh, there's Ted, um, and he's great. He's basically the only one in the room that could help you out. So, so, but, but other than Ted, um, who's your competition? Oh, there's some people out there oh, that are yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rachel, she does great work. Okay, who else? God, who else? Um, let me think, come you back think, to yeah, me. Yeah, you think about that long list. Yes. But what I was going to say is this... Digital strategy kind of as, a, as an industry, as a profession, has only been around for a couple of years. And the folks that know it the best are generally the ones that were born into it. And so they're younger. Um, and a lot of times, younger meaning, you know, it's a broad term. So uh, anybody who got into it early. Um, there's there's and so, Rinda right there in the black hat. Like Riddell, exactly. You can hire her. <laughs> but you look great. Um, um, so... We'll, Anyway, this is okay. Okay, so we'll we'll talk later. But um, what what I'm saying is that there are a lot of people that um, are really good at this, and that you may not be able to identify them, um, you know, right off right off the bat as a as doing this as a professional as a profession. But there are people around you that spend all their time on these networks, on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter, and trying out this these new things, you know, called Pinterest that just you know starting to blow up and and path in these different 
places that you can create a, a awareness for yourself. And so I, for musicians that are just getting started, look around. And I, I, what we did with a local musician that's starting to blow up, Una, here in the, in the Bay Area, is she sent an a email out to, to all of her fans saying, hey, who wants to come on board as our, you know, as our backup vocal, but actually as our, as our um, digital strategy person that's just going to take care of the socials and, and work at it that way. So it's, it's not that, you know, yes, there are a lot of great people here in the room, but outside of that, um, you know, you can you can find great resources right around you. Well, for people who can't afford Ted, yeah. um, who is great, yeah. uh, no question about it. Um, we had a program recently with Jason Feinberg, who, mm -hmm. until he left yeah. On Target Media Group, he's now with Concord, yep. and Bryn Boughton, who I believe is he, she's at the conference today. I don't know if she's in this room, but for anybody who may have an interest, we will give away a free digital strategy marketing plan that they did for us at a program. If you want to tweet us at narup.com, it's something that we normally sell, but awesome I'd be happy man. to make that available to folks. Mm -hmm. It's just a nice little template. And I'm cool. just curious, you know, who, who, who would one hire um, if one wanted that sort of thing? Because I don't think Jason is available anymore. Um, so at narup, if you'd like to tweet, we'll get you a free one. Awesome. There, there you go. Tweeting right there. Yep. <laughs> All right. Next question. In the green hat with the earrings. Hi, uh, Sean Horton from Play Network. I'm the uh, uh, director of music services there. Um, I can speak to kind of both sides of this equation. We do a lot of artist promotions, but we also develop products for in-store use, uh, video and audio playback devices. We also develop digital strategies. The one thing that I'm seeing time and time again that um, our clients are asking for is exclusive content. And I'm wondering how with the digital strategies that are out there, how it's affecting um, remixes and exclusive content, live recordings. Maybe you could speak a little bit of, of how you're seeing that trend change in terms of having something that maybe is exclusive to a brand or to a store or something that um, they can point to and say that this is something we did specifically for this particular strategy or for this particular market. Yeah, I think um, I, I mentioned it just quickly earlier where we're, you know, as we're building our our digital strategy and our and our presence like uh, we worked with Jack Conti you know he came into the office and and gave a video on how you best represent yourself on YouTube and, and Facebook and then uh, with Tyler Bryant um, who's this like prodigy guitar kid that's touring around right now did a recording in the studio with him and so you it, it may not um, be focused to you know like right now we're, we're not um, you know, we, we build tools for, we build Bandpage for Facebook, not YouTube, but yet it's great to have Jack come in and talk to the hundreds of thousands of musicians to give them, you know, just to have a brand that, that lets people know that we want to educate and help, help them in, in different ways. So I think in the same way as a band, you create this uh, very specific content to, to put your voice out there and, and create that. Just, just go out with, you know, different things that you put together as a company. What do you guys do for musicians? I don't know, I was like, because we always get hit up too, but it's funny because you always end up somehow being able to negotiate the word exclusive out of a lot of it, um, especially uh, if you have some of like the legendary artists that you're working with, like one of our clients that we do a lot with, like Diana Ross, who has a huge vault of photos. Now, people have seen most of these photos, but it, today's audience has not seen them. So being able to go back and get content that was out a long time ago, but now is free license, um, is definitely something that's been really popular. Um, having recorded music, we generally have stayed away from a lot of that just because the headaches and the nightmare that comes with it. 
and then at the end of the day you also realize that that song gives you a lot less leverage than a photo backstage or something that's way simpler to accomplish um so i just think it's about being able to create um content that doesn't take the time from the artist so whether it's having an assistant that can be out there and take some photos record some video get a fan to do something um, I think those are the way to go about it because I think you know when we look at the recorded songs that's one of the last things I think a lot of our fans of our clients are asking for because they'll just go and download it somewhere for free and, and guess what every artist and every company out there is a media company so as much content as you can go and create behind the scenes you know a 30 second video cut is different than a 45 second video cut um you thank god we're living in the digital age where it's incredibly easy to remix a song with you know slow you know quicken it up slow it down you know take out the back you know background vocals those are all exclusives so just get your assets together and distribute yeah, I mean, I'm a bit more assets together. I like that. I'm a bit more conservative on exclusivity, just because I've seen it be used as a bartering tool for other bands. Like labels would use exclusivity of <laughs> New York Times gets this video, Huffington Post gets this video, but it doesn't benefit that artist. It benefits the next time they need to go to HuffPo or, or New York Times to get it to get a coverage on something. So I would say use exclusives if you know you're going to get a tangible benefit from it and you're not screwing your fans, yeah. but don't use it as a means to barter favors later down the line because that is guaranteed to screw both the artist and the fan. I don't uh, think everybody doesn't have access to you know the big artists or that, that you guys do. So it's just, again, getting really creative with, with the content and, and the voice that you're trying to communicate. But Ethan brings up a great point because you need to remember when you need to drive the videos back to YouTube so you can like aggregate all of the video views. So if you can give like a behind the stage video um, piece to a blog, but then make sure that they include your video so that from the blog you drive views back to your, the YouTube page so you aggregate the counts that's incredibly that's part of your digital strategy right. is thinking through it's all just of don't that. think of exclusivity like trading cards because then you're then you're basically playing into a game that you yeah. don't want to get yourself into yeah. for that much longer yeah. just go do something yeah, you creative every week and put it on and film it for 30 yeah. seconds and then put it up just yeah. some things will hit other things won't and there's so many outlets out there i mean being a little bit old school when i was doing artist development at warner it used to be the argument about you'd come to San Francisco and you'd give a, an exclusive to KSAN back in the day of a show, and we really fought it so that KSAN got something, the other station got some, every one got the limo ride to the show, the other got the backstage visit, the other got the flyaway to whatever, and all of a sudden you had all the radio stations promoting whoever it was, Van Halen. And you can do the same thing now, and you have access to all this stuff that you didn't have access before, and you can create it on the fly. So there's nothing wrong with spreading it out and having a you know a whole panorama of exclusives running across various places. VP of A and R for Shady Records. I want to get your opinion on how important do you feel it is to give away free music for hip hop, at least in the urban genre. We basically get at this point it's, it's mandatory to give it away. Um, I'd like to get your individual thoughts on giving the music away and the pros and the cons of it, if you don't mind. Ethan, why don't you start with Starting that one. Starting on that one. <laughs> uh, the baseline of music consumption is free and it has been since radio. Um, so you really need to be adding a lot of value to charge for it. And sometimes that value is access and, and ease of use, which is where iTunes comes in. 
But uh, it depends on what you want to get from it. If everybody released an album, every album for free all the time, and some could argue it already is, um, then you're automatically lowering the inherent value of the music product. But I think there's room for both. But if you're going to, st- if you're selling a chunk of twelve records for ten ninety nine and calling it an album, or twelve twelve songs, sorry, for ten ninety nine, calling it an album, it has to have something beyond what other people what they can get from disintermediating that transaction, um, and that's the challenge in terms of providing value. But music, music's uh, the quote I gave before is water finds its level. So you can't eliminate free and hope everybody moves to paid. It's always going to be there. Taking mega upload down did not cause piracy to decrease. Um, and so free music, if, you, if you're not going to fill the hole that's there in terms of your water levels, uh, somebody else is going to go do it for you and you're not going to get anything from it. So if you want an email address, if you want a Twitter retweet, if you want a Facebook like, if you want a view on YouTube, whatever the, whatever the value you get back from that consumption is, it, it can or can't be a 99 cent download. But if you don't provide the, the $0 one, somebody else is going to do it and you're going to get nothing from it. Yeah, I think you have to give them a reason to love you you know, and uh, provide some value if you want them to buy it. So, you know, I, I love Adele's record. Everyone, she just like won six Grammys. You know, she actually just gave me a reason to buy her record because I just can't stop listening to it. And I want to have it and having it just on Spotify is not enough. So that's an extreme case where I'm actually going to buy a record, which is something I haven't probably done in, in a year, to be honest with you. Um, but if if there's another band and they have incredible packaging around their record with a really cool like you know opening box experience like opening an iPhone and t-shirt and other products like I really think we're going to be moving into this golden age of, of selling products along with the music and it's selling a, a, an experience of opening things up and so um, I'm really ex- I hope you all really think about that how can you create an experience to get people to buy your music so very important. Uh, I was gonna say one of the things that we we look at, especially when it comes to recorded music, is is figuring out what other businesses are going to open up if you give it away for free. Because sometimes giving it away for free now, you know, depending on how the licenses are working, it now might allow you to do syncs easier. It might now allow some sponsorship opportunities, getting it in commercials and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And so, you know, we've had some artists who have put out free albums um, because they knew it took away the middleman which was the record label which now made it easier for all the things I said they were able to get a sponsorship and get their song in a commercial they were able to get it into a movie and everything like that Um, and they reaped more benefits from making money from that than they ever would have saw from the actual recorded music of selling it to a fan yeah there are different strategies whether you're local regional national or international act if you're just starting you know and you're trying to sell your cd at the back of the club or you're trying to you know sell your 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 dollar uh downloads you're going to stay playing that small club because it's not getting around and people aren't you know just sharing the song and playing it and spreading it on the different socials and so if you want to do that and grow your grow your fan base slowly while making a little bit of money cool but you're you're going to be making like a thousand bucks you know over a couple months instead of getting your music out there getting more gigs and which you get people to come to your gigs so they're paying more money to go to your shows um, so starting there and then once you have that mass then you have the opportunity to sell market and, and drive the sales funnels we're out of time thank you guys cool thank you